We have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Are you a broken vessel, weighted down with discouragement, illness, or perhaps a disability? Well, take heart. Whatever your burden may be, God offers treasures that will transform your life. Hello, dear listeners. You're listening to Broken Vessels, Hidden Treasures. And here are your hosts, Paul and Tabitha Norris. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. This well-known quote by Charles Dickens sums up well my memories of the month my dad and uncle traveled together from the U.S. across the globe to a remote region of Northeast India. It was 2006, and the two of them had agreed to come to a village where I was living to preach in a series of Bible conferences. Both my dad and my uncle Lawrence are pastors, and both have been enormously influential on my life. There are no words to describe just how special it was having them with me to participate in a ministry that was near and dear to my heart. Shortly after they'd arrived, on a Sunday evening, we gathered together for a late-night dinner. After we'd enjoyed a delicious meal, we went our separate ways. A missionary couple involved with Bibles International had offered to house my uncle. My dad returned with me. I remember giving him a quick tour of my apartment, an apartment that my sending church, Parsippany Baptist Church, had generously paid for. Then helped him get situated in the guest room. We said our good nights, and I went to bed, happy and excited for the days that would follow. On Monday morning, I got up, put a kettle of tea on the gas stove top, and went to knock on my dad's door. There was no answer. I tapped again, and when the second knock was met with silence, pushed the door open. Much to my shock, my dad was lying in bed, shaking violently under a heap of blankets. I wheeled up next to him, and he was able to tell me in hoarse, whispered tones that minutes after we'd said goodnight, this terrifying illness had swept over him. Swiftly and without warning, he'd been awake all through the night, weak and completely unable to move. Immediately, I made phone calls for help. One of those calls was to my mom, back in the States, to ask her for prayer and the other to a very sweet Christian doctor who straightaway came to our aid. She took his vitals, and that showed his temperature and blood pressure were quite high. She sent an order for an IV to be brought into his bedside to help him stay hydrated. Minutes after hooking him up to that IV, my dad slipped into a coma-like sleep for approximately 18 hours. As quickly as word got out that Dad was critically ill, my Uncle Lawrence was among the first to be at our side. I can only imagine the grief and the heavy burden that he must have been feeling, not only seeing his big brother so seriously ill, but also sensing the weight of responsibility to fulfill what they'd come to do and knowing that he would have to do it on his own. That Monday evening was to be the first of many Bible conferences. 
Hundreds of Christian leaders had traveled in by train and bus. Some even covered miles on foot in order to be spiritually fed. They were starving to be taught God's word. The Lord carried my uncle through that night of meetings. But later that very night, the same malady that had struck my dad fell with equal fierceness on my uncle. By the next morning, he too was so weakened he couldn't rise from bed, and within hours, he was unresponsive. Watching two people I deeply love suffer crushed me to the core. Not understanding what this illness was or what the outcome would be left me feeling utterly helpless. Meanwhile, back in the United States, dozens and dozens of people were beginning to pray for these pastors. Some were even gathering in the auditorium of a church, staying on their knees all through the night, pleading before the throne that God would provide healing, wisdom, and peace for everyone who was involved in this tragedy. God heard those prayers because even in that time of loneliness and uncertainty, I've never forgotten the peace Christ gave me. Decisions for their well-being had to be made, and the Lord gave me a sense of calmness and clarity in looking out for them. While I was being dangerously exposed to that virus myself, God kept me safe. By Tuesday morning, my dad woke up. He was able to sit up and, although still pale and feeble, staggered out into the living room and sat on the couch. I remember filling him in on all that had taken place during those hours and giving him the news that Uncle Lawrence was now quite sick. As my dad sat there, he prayed for God to restore his brother's health and strength to carry out the preaching. It was nothing short of a miracle to see Dad step out of my apartment that night to go to church. Good, kind men offered their arms to help him walk. And to everyone's astonishment, within days, my dad and my Uncle Lawrence were traveling and preaching together. They were significantly fatigued and often too weak to even stand. But God's word went out with power. Each place they taught, lives were changed. Years after this event, families continued to send word about the mighty impact these two men had had on them. Once they'd returned to the States, medical tests were run, and it appeared the virus they survived may have been chikungunya. It's a disease spread by mosquitoes and typically occurs in Africa and Asia. I'm happy to report that these great men of God are fully recuperated from that virus and still serving Christ faithfully. The Lord was our stronghold and peace in that time of trouble. Wow, what a powerful reminder of Christ's grace and peace that brings us through the most fearful situations. It's interesting to hear the story from your perspective, Tabitha. I know you're barely scratching the surface on all that took place during that time. Mm-hmm. We're looking forward to hearing more about it in just a few weeks when Pastor Allen and Pastor Lawrence Brown join us on the podcast. I want to encourage all of you, our loyal listeners, to stay tuned for their testimony. Life can turn in a blink of an eye. 
At times when we hit bumps in the road, one thing we long for is freedom from disturbance. Someone once said, peace is that brief moment in time when warring armies pause to reload. This broken world we live in is far from perfect and untroubled. No matter what's going on around us, there is one person who can offer a permanent lasting peace, Jesus Christ. Did you know there are hundreds of names given for Jesus in the Bible? Each one reveals his character. His names also signify a blessing he offers to us. As Dr. Warren Worsby once said, every name that he bears is a blessing that he shares. About 700 years before Jesus was born, the Hebrew prophet Isaiah wrote, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I think it's interesting to note that Jesus was both born and given. As a man, he was born. He shared in our human nature, but was completely sinless. He was also given by God, the Father, as a gift of love to a sinful world. In other words, Jesus was God in human flesh. He spent his time on earth bringing order and peace to a world filled with chaos, confusion, and hurt. Let me give you some examples. Mark 4, 35-41 gives an account of Jesus on the Sea of Galilee. One evening, Jesus and his disciples decided to cross the sea. A great windstorm arose. The wind picked up with such force and intensity that waves were breaking into the boat. Jesus was in the stern asleep. The disciples roused him and asked if he cared that they were perishing. Jesus responded by rebuking the wind and speaking to the sea, Peace, be still. At Jesus' command, the wind ceased and all became calm. Several years ago, my family and I had the unforgettable experience of going to Israel. We spent time on the Sea of Galilee. In my opinion, it's among the world's most beautiful places. The Sea of Galilee is roughly 700 feet below sea level and is surrounded by high hills, some that reach as high as 1,500 feet. Due to the height of the hills surrounding the below sea level lake, abrupt temperature shifts occur, causing sudden storms. The Sea of Galilee is also relatively shallow, maybe around 200 feet at its greatest depth, and a shallow lake would be whipped up by a wind more easily than deep water. Right. So because of its layout, a storm on the Sea of Galilee is not really unusual or surprising. What is ironic is the reaction of the disciples who were seasoned fishermen. Undoubtedly, they had been through storms before, but this one must have been like no other. Terror was in their hearts, and this was more than they could handle. And while they were in fear for their life, Jesus slept. We gather from reading through the gospel, Jesus often went without sleep. He poured himself into traveling and ministering to the needs of the people. His exhaustion was so great not even the violent rocking of the boat would wake him. And yet, surely he was not unaware of that wild storm. He had peace, knowing nothing would touch them outside God's will. When the disciples rushed at Christ, their questions were filled with fear. Don't you care? Aren't you concerned? We're about to drown. And when Jesus spoke the storm into ceasing, their fear of death was 
traded for a different level of fear, being in the presence of the Lord God. They saw Jesus in a new light. They recognized him as Almighty God, who has power over the universe. When you read through this account, do you ever see yourself in the boat? Have you ever felt the force of a trial in life that threatened to sink your boat? Your storm might be a disability, trouble at work, or fear of a deadly virus and an economic crash. How do you deal with problems that are over your head? Based on this story, our encouragement would be, look closely to Jesus, fear him, and him alone. His presence is greater than any enemy we may face. Going into Mark 5, we read that as soon as Jesus had crossed to the other side of the sea, he was met by a man who was possessed by a multitude of demons. Evil spirits had tortured him continuously, controlling his mind and body, even driving him to cut himself with stones. No one could restrain him, so he had been socially ostracized, living in a graveyard. He was so tormented, he would scream through the days and nights. Jesus dealt compassionately and calmly with this man, sending the demons into a herd of pigs. When the people came to see what had happened, they discovered this once wild, tortured man sitting there, clothed and in his right mind. Talk about a major transformation. Similar to the raging storm on the Sea of Galilee, both had been totally uncontrollable. And in both instances, Jesus brought peace. Fear and peace are at opposite ends of the spectrum. Fear is an inhibitor. How can we have peace if we're afraid? Hearts and minds that are fully focused on the prince of peace dispels fear. How about the Garden of Gethsemane? The Bible records that Jesus withdrew to the garden with three of his closest disciples to prepare for what was coming, his arrest, torture, and crucifixion. You reminded us a moment ago, Paul, that Jesus took on human flesh. He had emotions. He was filled with deep, deep anguish over what was about to take place. So alone under the olive trees, he fervently prayed. And then he resolutely, peacefully submitted to his father's will. When Judas arrived with an armed mob... Peter jumped to Jesus' defense by pulling out a sword and slicing off a servant's ear. Jesus' response to this frenzy and chaos was the opposite of Peter's. He touched the man's ear and healed him. Then he calmly surrendered. Isaiah 9 tells us the government will be on his shoulders. Before he takes the government on his shoulder, he had to take the cross on his shoulder. Jesus underwent a gross miscarriage of justice in his trial, facing lies and cruel affliction. He died on that cross. Even as he hung on that cross, he didn't condemn his accusers. Instead, he prayed for them. What humility. What incomprehensible love. What indescribable peace. Jesus is our Prince of Peace. A prince is a son of a king. Typically, one of his roles is as a field commander. While the king sits on the throne, the prince goes forward to command the armies to win the battles. In the midst of war, the end game is to bring peace. That's what Christ accomplished. He paid the full price of sin by his shed blood and death on the cross. Praise the Lord. His death is not the end of the story. Christ victoriously conquered sin and death by his resurrection. Often when we talk about peace, we're referring to our circumstances. 
For example, we could say we're at peace because our job is secure and we've got a good stock of food and toilet paper. But the peace that comes to us through Christ isn't based on our state of affairs. It's really supernatural. His peace goes so deep into our hearts and minds that no power on earth can snatch it away. Here we are in March 2020. Who would have guessed even a month ago that a single virus would cause the entire world to shut down? This pandemic has been a sobering reminder for a lot of us on how much we need to depend on our Savior for safety, provision, and peace. My wife and I, like so many of you, are unable to be a part of our church due to the meeting regulations. We're missing the fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. But here's one thing we know for sure. We can trust every promise God has given. Nothing can ever separate us from God's love. In times like these, He draws especially near to the brokenhearted and the lonely. The most glorious confident expectation we have is eternity in heaven. This is a promise our Prince of Peace gives to all who believe in Him. It might be hard to imagine right now, but there will come a time when we look back at our hardships and realize it was only a brief, light affliction. Jesus is coming again. The government will be on his shoulder, and there will be no end to peace. Until then, dear listeners, may the peace of Christ rule your hearts. Every heart without a home, every widow left alone, every soul that is distressed, there is rest. Every prayer that has no voice, or the freedom to rejoice from the darkness.
Thanks for tuning in today to Broken Vessels, Hidden Treasures. It is our hope and prayer that you will find the grace and goodness of God even in trials. We'd love to hear from you, and your feedback is important to us. You can reach out to Paul and Tabitha with comments, questions, or to share an episode with a friend in need through our website at bvhtministries.org.